Are you accepting it? No, of course no. not. Rubbish. The government is not accepting it. Well, Welcome to Two Grumpy Hacks, the podcast. I'm Malcolm Farr, and of course, we're with Dennis Atkins. And this is the year of the fire hose of falsehood. And this is number 14 podcast for the year. It's a bit later than we normally file, uh, but we were both on the road over the weekend. And so we've had to, to use a uh, popular and fashionable term, had to uh, recalibrate. Sorry, how do you pronounce it? Recalibrate our uh, our performance. Um, speaking of which, Dennis, the Prime Minister has done a lot of recalibrations in terms of vaccine delivery, and he's now put us on a war footing, which to a degree makes me giggle, and it shouldn't. Um, has anything much happened uh, after the uh, first of uh, the special national cabinet meetings? Well, not too much. I've got to say our recalibration was a lot faster than Scott Morrison's recalibration because his uh, seems to be um, sort of a little bit re and not much calibrate. Uh, he, he, he announced, or well, he hasn't really announced uh, at the moment, and this is early Tuesday morning we're recording this, uh, his officers has let it be known that there was an in-principle decision taken uh, by a national cabinet meeting on Monday evening uh, to meet again on Thursday and look at speeding up the rolling out of uh, access to the AstraZeneca vaccine for people 50 and above. Um, now, you know, I don't want to go into this sort of 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B and so on, uh, which to me sound, always reminds me of sort of a pencil set from when I was at uh, primary school. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, the population has been carved up into little subsets uh, and the, the National Cabinet is moving them around, you know, a bit like you sort of uh, during a war, you move around your, your fleets. Uh, well, our fleet seems to be moving very slowly um, and uh, at the moment more in principle than in practice. Uh, but do you think we're actually going to get a decision or, you know, uh, did Scott Morrison think he was going to get a d decision straight away? Or, you know, what, what, what do you think? Uh, why hasn't the war footing uh, been more sort of active than, uh, than we've seen? Well, I think that you know, wars are won by logistics, and I think the logistics of this vaccine delivery are just hopelessly bungled. Now, whose fault that is? Uh, it's either the states or the federal government. I'm I'm ticking option two, but we, we've had all sorts of stories of vac uh, vaccination facilities standing empty, either because they have no vaccines or very few or B, because uh, of the confusion over which vaccine you should be getting, people are holding off on, on getting a jab. Uh, secondly, we hear all sorts of reports uh, confirmed today that there is somewhere, somewhere, piles of uh, AstraZeneca vaccine lying uh, around unused because there's no system no mobilisation in, in play to get them to where they should be in, in the arms of uh, 
of, of people. And it's a horrible uh, uh, mix-up. Uh, hor- well, mix-up is a very polite term. But as I say, if you're going to be on a war-fitting footing, make sure your logistics are right, make sure that your troops have the ammunition they need. And I don't think Scott Morrison has done that. And in part, I think that's why he's called the states to uh, you know, twice weekly national cabinet meetings, because he would like them to uh, share a bit of this odium as well. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you know, we, we've got to go back and, uh, and recall, um, well, we have to recall uh, that at the beginning of the year, this was, you know, as we've said before, and as everybody reminds us, uh, is reminding everyone else time and time again at the moment, this was Scott Morrison's number one job for the year, was to get the the, uh, uh, the vaccine rollout going and get it successful. And he set himself all sorts of targets and goals and um, aims. And you know, it, it, it was, you know sort of announcement overload from Scott Morrison and his health minister, Greg Hunt. And inevitably, they were going to get themselves into trouble. And they did get themselves into trouble. But I'm not sure that they've learnt the lesson of that by, by you know, sort of a, a week ago saying, we're going to put the place on a war footing and then actually getting to the point where the National Cabinet meets all they've got is an in-principle decision. You know, it, it's, you, you can understand why the public are just, well, they're frustrated and there's a, a sort of a general loss of faith in the community about the process. They think that they'll get there eventually, but they, they, they've sort of given up. The, the people I've been speaking to while I've been out and about, you know, I've given up listening to the government. They say, oh, look, you know, so I'm just going to wait until I'm told I can get my vaccine. The sooner the better. But, you know, I just wish they'd stop talking and start doing. Yeah. The, the greater the confusion, the more likely there will be anxiety in the street. And uh, and uh, Scott Morrison's con- confusion factor is uh, is hitting up to the high nines at, at the moment. Now, also this week, he, uh, the Prime Minister, is going to be part of a, uh, a, a grand-being named summit called by Joe Biden to talk about uh, climate change measures and uh, getting to uh, you know, zero emissions by 2050 globally. Uh, probably not possible, but certainly a worthy, uh, a worthy venture to attempt. Now, Scott Morrison had a speech on Monday night to the Business Council where he opened up the prospect of, well, nothing really. Um, he, he just said that uh, he indicated, uh, one ABC report said he, he inched closer to saying that uh, Australia would match the uh, 2050 uh, a deadline, but he didn't say uh, anything about concrete policies or, or any sort of measures uh, apart from relying on uh, uh, science and technology, as he's grandly said before, and um, the, something he called the commercialisation of, of zero emissions. Now, he on the way through, he just let slip you know, this, this rather pointless sneer uh, at, at uh, cafes, people in cafes uh, 
dinner parties and wine bars in the inner city, um, they would not be the ones who would uh, would lower emissions. I'm not quite sure any of them, anybody have actually claimed that they would, but it seemed to be a hat tip to people in the regions who think that climate change policy is being directed and therefore they are under the instruction of inner city types. And the fact that uh, Morrison said this at an inner city dinner uh, seemed to escape him. But uh, it, it, was a, it, it was a cheap smear and, and quite pointless, uh, except for the rather shallow uh, politics of it all. Uh, and it, it really was uh, a very minor uh, uh, outing by the Prime Minister on what, was, what is, quite uh, rightly, a global and international um, issue. Uh, I, I didn't come away impressed, Dennis, as you might have gathered yourself. Uh, well, it, it was Scott Morrison doing what he so often does, and that is uh, going back to his, what he believes are his greatest hits. And one of his greatest hits is that uh, he, he managed to divide and conquer in terms of uh, splitting the Labor Party away from its traditional base uh, in the 2019 election uh, and trying to glue um, Bill Shorten uh, to uh, those wine bar uh, cafe dwellers that he referred to sneeringly at the Business Council dinner. Uh, so, yeah, he, he thought, well, that worked really well then. I'll do it again now. And, um, you know, all those people who don't um, sit in cafes and drink wine and... Uh, uh, and go to expensive business council dinners. Well, uh, sorry, um, no, 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 <laughs> I shouldn't have included those, of course. But no, uh, you know, those, those inner city types, you know, sort of, they're, they're not going to vote for me. But all the others, I want them to vote for me, and I want them to know uh, that I'm on their side and, and I'm, I'm looking after their interests, even though I'm inching towards, as uh, as, as you rightly pointed out. Uh, committing to an energy transformation that, if the government actually took it seriously, would mean that a lot of these economies in these regions uh, would be in for some big change, which they're probably going to be anyway as the market uh, moves inexorably regardless of what the government does. I think that uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison could be in for a bit of a shock um, you know, when he, he gets on the Zoom call um, with Boris Johnson and uh, Joe Biden and others, um, the word out of, out of Washington um, in the last 24 hours is that uh, Britain and America, some of the European countries and probably China are going to commit to an even more ambitious target in the shorter term. So, yes, net zero by 2050 but something like a 75 to 80% reduction in carbon emissions by the uh, 2030s, uh, somewhere 2030, 2035. Now, if, if they come out supporting that, that's going to leave Scott Morrison in a pretty tight corner, don't you think? Yes, indeed. And also the Labor Party. Uh, oh, yes, Albanese, for sure. Anthony Albanese has come out with... Uh, uh, a, a, an elaboration of uh, Labor policy that uh, he sees uh, emissions control as a means of employment. Uh, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if uh, you know, uh, clean energy is 
accepted as the job creator that Labor would uh, like us to think it is. Uh, and that debate will be uh, also running over the week. It was interesting, though, in um, nine newspapers had a new uh, poll out today by Resolve um, Strategies, I think is the name of the outfit that did it. And it found that just 49% of Labor voters said Anthony Albanese was their preferred prime minister. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, 51% thought uh, Scott Morrison was the bee's knees, but it's interesting that even within the, the Labor Party, there's some questioning of Anthony Albanese's um, uh, uh, performance. Uh, we'll say, uh, and climate change will be a key issue that will, uh, which will direct that, uh, that support or lack of over the coming, uh, coming couple of months. Now, uh, the Prime Minister has called uh, a Royal Commission into uh, veteran suicides, long overdue, say those who have been um, demanding it for ages, uh, and also he had to. So he's called a commission, a Royal Commission, that he didn't want because just, just almost exactly 12 months ago he announced there'd be a, an independent commissioner to investigate voter suicide. And in doing making the announcement, he said uh, it would be better than a royal commission. It would be bigger and better than a royal commission. This is an ongoing problem. We can't look back. We have to look forward. Well, if he had looked forward, he would have seen 12 months ago that he would be forced into a, a proper royal commission because his own party wanted it and was prepared to cross the floor against him. There seems to be a bit of a royal commission pattern here for uh, Scott Morrison, do you think, Dennis? Yes, yes, we all we all remember that he was um, uh, at, at, at the front of the queue, to use a phrase, when it came to opposing the Banking Royal Commission. Uh, he, he uh, I think, I think he got up to twenty six times. He, he and his um, colleagues um, spoke out against a Banking Royal Commission uh, until they couldn't do it anymore. Um, he also showed uh, a lack of interest in having a Royal Commission into uh, aged care uh, until um, Four Corners and uh, um, and the, the very good ABC reporter Anne Connolly uh, led the charge in exposing some of the horrors that uh, we've seen in, uh, in, in the aged care sector. Um, he's, he hasn't been keen on Royal Commissions, uh, but eventually he sort of gets around to, uh, to calling one and uh, he's done it again. This, this is a Royal Commission that, that does, has been needed and, and is needed. And uh, um, the treatment of veterans in Australia uh, going back decades, um, you know, at least since the Vietnam War, um, I don't know much about it before then, but uh, you know, at least since people were returning from the Vietnam War in the 1970s, the treatment of, of veterans has been below par. It's been, uh, it's failed the veterans and things have got worse over time. And that's during periods of Labor government and coalition government. Um, and if this Royal Commission can do two things, one is look at just what has happened with the hundreds of returned soldiers, um, who, who, who uh, military personnel, who have taken their own lives since the now closing 
uh, involvement in Vietnam started 20 years ago, uh, look at that, look at the causes and look at what can be done to prevent those things from happening again. But also at, look at the treatment of veterans generally because uh, it's not just those who get to that complete end of their tether and end it all. It's also those who are at towards the end of their tether and living in abject misery, confusion and just, you know, an awful situation. And for the services that I've given to their country, they do not deserve to be treated the way they've been treated. And if this Royal Commission can look at those problems and address them, it'll be well worth it. And as so many people have said, so very long overdue. And if I could suggest a, a, a third benefit that might come from it, or a much broader uh, picture, is uh, sparking debate on why and when we go to war. Because mm. we would remember, God, 20 years ago, uh, the, the Iraq war. The, the reasons for sending troops in changed uh, almost daily. One minute they're in there for, to get... Uh, weapons of mass destruction, which of course didn't exist. Uh, next minute, they're in there to uh, for regime change, which was just a consequence of the the huge invasion. And again, in Afghanistan, it wasn't clear why we sent troops there. There was a lot of good work done by Australian uh, military units in Afghanistan in terms of educating children and women and uh, uh, helping communities set up without intrusion from uh, extremists. Uh, and we've got to remember that good work as well. But why we were there it, it, for so long, for 20 years, uh, remains a mystery and a scandal. And hopefully uh, that's the sort of debate that we will get in addition to those important matters that you raised. Oh, dear, it all sounds rather grim. But if, if you have any questions about politics, please um, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you at two grumpy hacks, numeral two grumpy hacks at gmail.com and we'll be ready uh, with uh, accurate answers or we will fake it. Um, and it's going to be a busy week, so let's see what happens next time we come to you. In the meantime, it's goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs>